This episode of the Tom Fullery Podcast was streamed live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. If you'd like to watch the full episode, you can go to any one of those channels and make sure you hit subscribe or follow to be part of the live show next time. You're tuned in to Tom Foolery. All right, what's up, everybody? This is episode 20 of the Tom Foolery Podcast. Today, I have... Uh, is it... Do you want to go by Miravis? Uh, you can call me Cody. Like, I just... I use Miravis as my screen name. It was just sort of a, a force of habit. Okay, so we got Cody here today. We're going to be talking about mail-in voting and voter fraud and... Uh, the U- the changes to the USPS that are being made currently by Trump. And so uh, you actually have your own podcast that you run as well, too, right? Uh, yeah, I do a podcast with uh, a co-host, AJ. It's called the Pragmatic Progressive Show. You can find us over at uh, like pragmaticprogressiveshow.com and basically Pragmatic Progressive on Twitter and a whole host of uh, other sites. So you can check us out there. We have... Uh, AJ's got a big, long uh, history of doing the podcast, and I think we've got like uh, five or six episodes together. So, Now, Cody, real quick, do you want to introduce yourself to everybody and tell them why it is that we're talking to you about these sorts of things? Yeah, so other than just hosting a podcast, I, uh, I work for the U.S. Vote Foundation. We're a nonprofit uh, charity who our, our, our mission is basically just to make it easier for uh, people to absentee vote. We started off with uh, overseas and militaries voters, and we've provided the uh, military with like absentee ballot request services for quite a while. Um, we used to do it like we used to actually run the systems for a whole bunch of states. That was before I was ever on. Um, but that's changed sort of in recent years. So now we more do like uh, uh, several sort of like affiliate directories and offering you know our own expertise. Uh, Anyway, so uh, for them, I do a whole bunch of uh, background research and stuff. So um, I'd say pretty knowledgeable about the uh, like what's going on with the post office right now, how that affects uh, mail-in ballots, and basically the whole sort of system with uh, mail-in balloting, which um, that can be confusing for a lot of people. So I, I totally understand like people who they don't know really so like so much what's up. Or like, there's a lot of sort of myths and stuff that about how it works, or so you know, sort of misconceptions because there's just not a lot of easy info out there, you know. Okay, so let's start off with the mail-in ballots then, and jump right into that. If because we have this conversation all the time on this channel, and I, I have this conversation on other channels as well. Lots of people are afraid that mail-in ballots uh, could uh because for more fraud that it's more it's a lot easier to pretend that you're somebody else and then even dead people uh to vote for them and things like that so what are the misconceptions normally when it comes to mail-in voter fraud i think people think that it's a lot easier to vote by mail than it really is so like it's so like it's I guess I'll give a sort of anecdote to s- describe the the I would almost call it a labyrinthine process that we have for uh, absentee voting for in some like for overseas people like it depends. So the first thing is it depends on the state. Each state processes their sort of absentee ballots differently. There's some things that basically every state does, which is like there's some minimum levels of security 
which are when I say minimum, that is that's the lowest level of security that your ballot will go through. But that is a very, very high level of security. So typically in you need to first request an absentee ballot. There's very few states that just send out an absentee ballot automatically. And in the absentee ballot request process, a lot of states ask you for ID and for a lot of things to sort of confirm who you are. They uh, Most states check your signature against the signature that they have on file. They check your uh, your address. They check your name, all of that. And that's just to request your absentee ballot. After you get your absentee ballot, then you send your absentee ballot back. Um, there's 13 states that require ID to be provided or like a photocopy of ID to be provided with that. Um, some other states require uh, like, you know, your driver's license number. So there's a lot of states that actually ask for some secondary form of verification. But then you've got your ballot and that goes through all of the same sort of uh, processing measures that your normal ballot would go through. So it's going to be read by the same sort of scanners. Uh, it's going to go through the same sort of safety checks. So when they get it, they need to make sure that you've like you followed all of the directions. You have typically several different envelopes. You typically seal the envelope to ensure integrity. You typically sign several versions so like either your ballot or some states don't want you to sign your ballot. They want you to sign the envelope on the outside. Um, like, and I know this sounds all very complicated. The easy solution, just follow what's on the sort of mail-in ballot. But this is sort of to prove the point that there's a whole lot of hoops that you have to make sure. And there's a whole lot of back-end security, which is uh, being gone through to make sure that you are who you say you are that everybody only votes once and that there's not really any voter fraud. Um, and I well, think that's the real quick that that's with normal mail-in voting or, or uh, absentee voting mm -hmm. right now. It seems as though they're talking about just sending out the ballots to every home address and then allowing so, them to mail those back. Aren't there higher chances of fraud with something like that? So, uh, the first thing is, no, I don't think so, but the there's uh, several reasons why. One is there's a lot of states that have, uh, so I can talk about sort of the the reason or the things that we think are going to happen uh, because of this. Um, increased fraud is not one of them. There's, there's probably going to be uh, uh, a lot of increase in sort of the trouble for managing the election in terms of counting all the ballots or having a system. Cause usually we have, there's like states like, uh, so I'm in New York, New York. We don't have a whole lot of people using absentee ballots typically. And we have, so we'll have, uh, and we require excuses for our absentee ballots. So that keeps the numbers pretty low and we can expect typically far less than 10% of people in any given election to use an absentee ballot. What happened in the most recent primaries was we had, for some districts, way over 50% of people wanting to use an absentee ballot. And the systems which were designed to process, you know, a thousand ballots, so, you know, which is, which you can be, you can be doing that with, you know, a, a, a very reduced sort of office staff. You only need one team really processing the ballots and, you know, doing double checking and stuff if it's only like 500 ballots for a district. If you get 250,000, that two-man team is going to be completely slogged. And that's actually what we saw happen in a couple of places in New York City. 
So it people were sort of alleging that there was, you know, this this big uh, uh, fraud in I think it was the the Carolyn that's actually my district, Carolyn Maloney, um, against Siraj Patel. And really, all that happened was we had because I went to the polls actually on poll on uh, election day. There was almost nobody there. And we had a huge proportion of people use absentee ballots. So it was just like our system was unprepared. That was the sort of big danger. But even for systems that are like, so here's the reason why I don't think. So that was sort of a, a long explanation for that. I'll get now into the reason why I don't think expanding it is really going to increase fraud. Uh, that has to do with a couple of states on the West Coast, which have been expanding uh, vote by mail access steadily over the past about 10 years. Um, states like Oregon, Washington, and uh, Colorado now, or also Hawaii, are have been doing uh, all-mail elections for at least uh, one election previously. Um, for Oregon and Washington, they've been doing it for a bit longer, as has Colorado. They saw the sort of proportion of people using their systems spike. Obviously, it's not as big as with COVID, but they did see them steadily increase because prior to this, not a whole lot of people were really using absentee ballots. And now a whole lot of people were using absentee ballots. So... Uh, but despite that, in these states, they didn't see uh, pretty much any voter fraud, actually. It's kind of surprising how low. So, like, I want people to sort of think about a number uh, for, like, what they think about the percentage of voter fraud is. Um, so, you know, just get some sort of proportion in there. Um, Oregon, which has held all mail ballots since 2000 in all that time recorded 14 cases of fraudulent voted attempts. So those weren't even uh, votes that went through. These were fraudulent attempts. So wow. the amount of uh, uh, voter fraud is really infinitesimally small in the first place. And it doesn't seem like uh, as uh, vote by mail expanded in these states, they saw any sort of increase in that. And actually vote by mail, um, this is something that I wasn't able to fact check before I got here. I was able to find uh, an off the book calculation that I like did in the past, which was a, a, a 0.0025% rate of actual voter fraud in sort of all elections. Um, I wasn't able to check that. So I encourage people to go and sort of check the actual rate of voter fraud. It is around that number. It's very low. I may actually be way, way, way uh, uh, higher than I should be. But um, a study, so like a peer-reviewed study that sort of went over uh, a lot of available election data, they found that the voter fraud rate for um, mail-in ballots was... Hold on, let me, I have the number here because there's so many zeros. Between 0.00004% and 0.0009%. So really extremely small numbers. And, we, and these are in states that have had all of their elections by mail for many years. So, you know, that's, that's I, I think, pretty much a, a good summation of why 
this idea that like you know male voter fraud is easier or more likely is it's probably not the case so um, you're saying that that's the amount that attempted to get mail-in voter fraud or that's the yeah. amount that actually got through that attempted to do it these votes almost never uh get through uh and in fact that's how we uh find them a lot of times so uh, one example was, I believe, North Carolina. There was uh, some local Republican. He was running, and he stuffed a whole bunch, like he literally stuffed a whole bunch of ballots into a uh, a U.S. like a USPS uh, mailbox. But they found that because, like, there's a whole lot of tells for these kind of things. Like, who's which? Which ballot? Like, which which mailbox is going to be overflowing with ballots? That's, you know, that's that's like an immediate red flag for that kind of stuff. But also you can tell because like they're, they're all using the same sort. They're coming from the same place. There are laws against this and they check this. So this is another this is a good example of this. So I was just doing um, uh, uh, research on how you can drop your ballot off in person, because there's a lot of people who are now scared about the mail with the sort of the, the postmaster general directives and mail getting left behind. Um so, you know, you can drop off your ballot in a lot of places. There are a lot of precautions to make sure that we only have one person, uh, one ballot. So uh, in a lot of cases, if you're not the person dropping off your ballot, you have to have somebody like notarized and signed that you allowed this person to come and drop your ballot off. And in most states, you can't drop off more than like one other person's ballot. I know in New York, it's a uh, it's two. So I could go and like say my mom was uh, sick and infirm and in the hospital. I could only go and drop off my ballot and her ballot if I wanted to do that. And they have similar things uh, uh, for for mail in uh, ballots. They make sure that you're not sending like uh, they they know how many ballots they're supposed to expect from a single address. They know how many ballots they're supposed to expect from one person. They know how many ballots they're supposed to expect from all these kind of things. Plus the sort of um, the, the fact that you have to in pretty much every state ask for a ballot to be mailed out. Um, that makes it a lot harder to uh, uh, commit mail fraud because like, I think some people might have the misconception that it's, well, one, it's not all that easy in the first place, which is why it doesn't really happen. But like, you know, you can go to a polling place and impersonate someone. Um, it's much harder to do that by absentee because you have to go through a full form that requires you to fill out all of the details. Uh, like, uh, And in a lot of states, they ask for your driver's license number and all this kind of stuff uh, to verify who you are. And they check that against what they have on file. Um, Here's a good example. Uh, if you say you uh, were to change your address, in most states, they require you to actually, I can probably pull up the, the deadline for it. I, it's, it'll take me like five minutes. It's not worth it. But there's so like, uh, let's go back to Oregon. You can't ask for an absentee ballot to be mailed to a different address than the one that you have on file within a certain number, like amount of time. So I think it's somewhere in October. You have by then to tell them that you will have a new address, and then they will confirm it and then send you your ballot. If you don't do that, your ballot is either going to the old address or you're not going to get a ballot. So they're fairly stringent on who they send ballots to in the first place. And then they have uh, uh, you know checking mechanisms on the back end. 
um, when you're getting your ballot back. So like if if the mail, if you didn't fill out the 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 security envelope and it's not done the right way, your ballot won't be counted. If the signature doesn't match, your ballot won't be counted. If it's in a state that requires an ID uh, copy that's sent back with the ballot. So I think Alabama is a state like that. It won't be counted if you don't have the photo to, uh, or the ID for the person. So there's in many cases actually more protections for absentee ballots or in, and sort of like uh, more steps that you have to jump through to ensure the security of the ballot than for in-person voting. So it'd be really hard to do so. And I actually, the only, I've read maybe two studies on this about a year ago. And one of them, the conclusion came to pretty much say that we're not going, that nobody cares about politics enough to get charged with a felony. And so that's like the major thing, keeping from pe keeping people from, uh, from, you know, voter fraud. But I think what I'm more worried about is someone like Russia tampering with mail-in voting and then, you know, hacking into, like I said, maybe dead people's uh, information, getting their driver's uh, license number and their social security number and stuff like that, and then being able to mail in a ballot for them. Well, the the sort of there's there's good news on that front, which is that voter uh, uh, registries tend to be cleared every so often against uh, lists of dead people. Like uh, just off the top of my head, New York as an example, because I know I looked at this recently. It's like every six months, um, our voter rolls are checked against the list of dead people to get them off. So the one is like the number of dead people that. Uh, so like I I don't want any one of these to be viewed as like the sort of hit home argument against like uh, uh, absent, like, like uh, sort of absentee mail fraud or like being able to tamper with it from uh, like an elections tampering perspective with Russia, but all of them sort of to get, or I, perhaps with the exception that you have to jump through so many hoops to get an absentee ballot and then send it back that it just wouldn't be practical. That I think is that alone makes it so that you don't really need to worry about that. But like all the other sort of stuff, uh, that in aggregate sort of adds it, makes it harder and harder to do. So like all this, all the uh, subsidiary stuff that you'd have to do, like uh, uh, making sure that this was a person that had died in the last six months in New York and that, you know, had uh, was on the voter registration rolls. Because a lot of people who die, they're just not registered to vote. So you first now you have first you have to look for registered voters then you have to look for registered voters that have died in the past few months. And you have to check that against like obituaries. Why can't they register to them to vote, though? Um, in most states, you have to be registered to, there's not all that many states that allow you to register to vote closer and closer to the election. Like in New York, you have to be registered, I think 40 days before the election or something like that. Um, so it gets harder to do that. Plus for voter registration, you have to have ID in almost every state, I'm pretty sure. So like, uh, or like a physical copy. And then again, you have to jump through a whole lot more hoops to do a by mail voter registration than, uh, oftentimes you would do if you just had to go there in person. But that makes sense because, you know, if you go there in person, they have one. Uh, this is kind of a like if you get into sort of security strategies, you look for uh, a sort of redundancy. So like you want to be able to prove who the person is by like, you know, one is like you're there in person. Another one would be, look, OK, you have the identification. So now you have like sort of two methods of security. Three would be like if you know a password or somebody else could verify for you or something like that, which would be checking against what they have 
for your information. And usually for voting, we have a whole lot of different methods of security to make sure that somebody isn't uh, uh, or isn't voting as somebody who they say they're not or they are. So like to, to ensure that there's no voter fraud. Okay. And again, I point uh, to people like just look at the rates of voter fraud. It's astronomically low. Um, and, you know, we have to sort of ask ourselves why it is that case study after case study and, you know, study after study fails to find sort of all, all this voter fraud if it really was that easy. So there's, there's, um, I think there's just sort of a whole lot of arguments that can uh, be made to sort of uh, justify the position. All right. So we get a, a, a comment from Phil. He said, Cody, mail and ballots have already been sent to the wrong house this year. Um, so like what, I, I guess, what does he mean? Like to the wrong house is that they will send it to the address that they have on file if you're requesting it. So this is again, what I was sort of talking about with the mail-in ballot. Uh, and if you're then returning that ballot from an address that's different than the one that's requested, that ballot may well be rejected on that count alone. They're very stringent with, uh, the mail-in ballots and they know where they should be coming from. The other thing is that they have to be going to the, uh, uh the place that mailed them. So if you're in a new place and you're trying to mail it to your new, like, uh, uh, your new town clerk or whatever, that's not going to work either. Yeah, but, but mail just, just happens to, to go to the wrong address a, sometimes. Yeah, that happens, but it, it also won't affect the, like, like, like what they, they can't really register as you because they'd have to know your name and then they'd have to have your ID and then they'd have to be able to photocopy your ID and send it off. So if they were to try to, like, that, that's effectively useless to them unless they wanted to, like... Uh, uh, register as you, then they would, or not as you, sorry, as themselves. So they would fill out the absentee ballot registration. So remember, this is an absentee ballot request. Typically, we haven't gotten absentee ballots uh, 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 this year for uh, the general election, or at least I'm talking right now about the, the general election. But if somebody is trying to send back uh, a ballot, if one, they need to have your signature, in a lot of cases, they need to have uh, some form of identification. Uh, if it's going to the wrong place, it's going to be caught and they need to have uh, all the sort of additional security measures. So, Yeah, uh, Phil also said, Cody, people are getting ballots sent to them from previous people who live there. He did mention earlier that you do need to kind of get your address changed ahead of time in order for your ballot to even count. Um, so even if it gets sent to an address where somebody lived there before, they're not going to have all of your, you know, your driver's license information, your social security information. They're not going to be able to just randomly fill it out for you just because it happened to get sent to their house. And if it does get sent to their house and you don't fill and it doesn't get filled out or it gets turned down, I'd assume you still have a chance to go and vote in line uh, in person. Yeah, so you can spoil your, your ballot. In a lot of cases, if you go to vote in person, what they will do is they'll spoil an absentee ballot that you have uh, if you try to do that. Um, I think that they're, they're like, there are some states where they'll, they'll be very angry, they'll be grumpy with you if you try to do it uh, twice, and there'll be potential like for, for felony. But again, one of them is, is almost entirely certain to get caught if it's a fraudulent vote. So, uh, a, uh, I think a good example of this is, uh, like you can look at, uh, uh, I think, I think it was a study in North Carolina that was looking at every election since 
2000, I think, between 2000 and 2012. And they found a total instant, like, they, they, there was like 35 cases of voter fraud or something like that. And that's over, like, 120 million votes. So I understand. So I, I think a lot of times what happens is we have our, our, our heads get a bit ahead of us. And what I mean by that is we can think of scenarios that seem plausible to us for how something might happen, but in reality, it doesn't end up happening that way. And that might be for, you know, a number of reasons that might be because we're not sort of considering enough factors that might be because, um, you know, our, there's something in our, our chain of, of reasoning that's a little bit flawed. But in this case, I think what's happening is when you make something harder to do, fewer people do it. And the amount of hard to do that like voting is, is kind of, especially for absentee voting in a lot of, in, in fact, most states, it's just monstrously big. And each one of the hoops that you have to jump through, no one of them is a perfect system. So there's, there's no such thing as a perfect single security measure uh, anywhere. Uh, but when you layer them on top of each other more and more and more, that increases the difficulty for uh, uh, for doing something fraudulent. And that in turn decreases the sort of amount of people who are able to even attempt to do it. Um, and that's what we see. So when we have, you know, you have to print out and fill out this tedious form, and then the form asks you for a bunch of forms of identification and like where you live and how long you've been living there. And uh, uh, sometimes they ask for your social security number. They sometimes they ask for your full ID to be photocopied. And then you have to send that back. Then they have to verify that against what they've got. Then they have to send you the, your mail-in ballot. Then you have to do that. You have to fill out everything. Then you have to like put it inside typically two different envelopes. Then you have to return that. Then they have to get it. And then they have to check it against all their stuff again. Each one of these things is adding several different layers of security so that by the time we get to the end where your ballot has been counted, there are so many layers of security that far from just be it's not impossible, but it's it's so impractical that it just doesn't really happen. Um, and I know that's not always a, a very satisfying answer, but. In reality, when we're getting like 35 fraudulent votes in 120 million, that's really that's an extremely good rate, especially if we're, you know, uh, uh, if we compare to sort of other countries where they have uh, serial ballot stuffing and this kind of stuff going on. Um, I, I think we're, we're in some respects very lucky to live in a country where we regard the sort of sanctity of one person, one vote so highly because in a lot of like if you look at sort of eastern europe they have a long tradition of sort of ballot stuffing in in both directions there's a lot of illegitimate elections going on where political parties go really hard for uh, ballot stuffing and, and in the united states we have this is you know and, and this this goes in both ways you know sometimes people like to say oh you know republicans really no this this Republicans don't commit ballot for like voter fraud. Democrats don't commit voter fraud. 
I don't think really anybody commits voter fraud, uh, at least according to you know all the numbers that I've seen and all of my research. It's it's a vanishingly rare thing, um, and I think that that's a, a very good thing, and we're very lucky to live in a country that uh, uh, reflects that. You know, it's, so then you know, I, I would differentiate that from like sort of trying to suppress voters or remove voters from voter rolls or making it harder. So I think that in a lot of cases, making it this hard to vote isn't necessarily a good thing, but on the other on the other hand, we have such a vanishingly rare uh, uh, amount of of uh, voter fraud that it's not really a thing that we have to worry about too much. Thank thankfully. Yeah, that was kind of going to be my next question. Is does that mean like that the only way to make sure that your vote gets counted is by going and voting in person? Because you could just have a small mistake on your mail in ballot that makes it get thrown away. And do you know that it got thrown away? Do you know that it got declined? Is there a way for uh, you to tell? Yeah. So again, this is so uh, one of the sort of really unsatisfying things here, or I, I guess this is this is something that should be interesting for for people to think about is how different it is in all of the sort of states. So for somebody like me, it makes my job very very difficult because whenever we do any sort of research or any sort of uh, uh, update to our system. We're doing 50 updates to our system because we have to do one for each thing, every single state. And each state is its own, uh, its own beast. Uh, there are some states, most states, thankfully, tend to fall in line with a, a fairly regular sort of way of doing things. But, you know, there's some states which do completely off the wall, batshit insane stuff, uh, <laughs> like on the, on the other hand, on the other side of things. So in some states, you can track your absentee ballot. Um, they have uh, uh, emails, like, or sorry, not email, but like electronic systems. I think Kentucky has an electronic system. For example, Utah, I know, has a good electronic system. I think uh, North Dakota or South Dakota have an electronic system for this where you can track your ballot. That is, you can see where your ballot request is. They, you can see if your ballot request has been approved or denied. You can see uh, if your ballot request has been mailed you can then see uh, the status of your ballot. Like once it's been approved, they can say, okay, we're about to send out the ballot. Your ballot has been sent out. Your ballot is here, tracking it in the mail. Um, you know, once you've got the ballot, they'll say you should have received your ballot. You can send the ballot back and then they'll track it again through the mail and then they'll say, hey, we've got your ballot. And then they'll tell you when you've read it. Um, I think it's only 16 states that have a, a, a tracking system. I think more trying to implement it as we uh, sort of move towards so many people using absentee uh, because of you know the uh, COVID-19 situation. Um, I think New York is one of the states that's trying to, I, I, sorry to pick on New York, it's just, you know, I, I live here. Uh, so they, I'm pretty sure they're trying to implement a tracking system in time for the general, but a lot of states are kind of scrambling to do this. Um, for the other states, unfortunately, there's not a way to track your uh, uh, absentee ballot um, and you know, like not a way to track your request or uh, it coming back. Uh, I think in some cases you can ask for a letter to be sent to you letting you know the status. Um, but that doesn't always happen. Usually what will happen is they'll send you a thing saying you've been registered. Um, but again, different by every single state. Some states you can check it uh, uh, online just like when you're checking your sort of voter registration status. But 
it's it's a it's a big patchwork. Uh, definitely for somebody who is worried that like their their vote is going to be like if they're worried about messing up one of the the many steps. Yeah, going in person is uh, a sure way to get your vote counted. But uh, if you're you know say say you're worried about um, USPS, like this might be a, a good segue for us into sort of uh, talking about the recent USPS stuff. Um, you can also drop your ballot off in person in every single state, except for Mississippi and Tennessee, you can go in person to hand deliver your ballot to the local election office. Pretty much. Um, there's some States where that's, uh, that's a ballot in, or that's a ballot drop box instead. Um, there's some States where that's, uh, uh, it's like, it sort of depends. Sometimes it's the town clerk. Sometimes it's, it's the, uh, uh, the County board of elections. Sometimes it's the, uh, the, the elections auditor. Um, sometimes it's just the city hall. Um, or sometimes it's just those drop boxes, but in every single, uh, one of these cases, you can go and drop your, uh, ballot off by hand. So you don't really need to worry too much about the, Oops! Did I did I you know mess something up uh, in the mailing process? Yeah. Um, if we have those systems set up though to where we can check all these things online, I mean, I would assume the next question and and what some people have been asking in the chat is why don't we just have the availability to vote online? I saw somebody else say that we'd probably get uh, that hackers would be able to just take over your. Uh, your votes, but I don't think it's that easy considering mm -hmm. the fact that we do all of our taxes online. Somebody would e easily be able to just get on and reroute all of my tax returns to go to a different bank account if all of this hacking the government was so easy, right? Uh, that's that's definitely true. But on the other hand, um, so a lot of there's a lot of research that goes into how easy it would be to hack a sort of electronic system versus how easy it would be to hack uh, uh, the sort of physical voting system. And in every case, the physical voting system wins out. So this makes uh, sort of, so this, I haven't uh, done research into this personally, but we take a very strong stance on this uh, uh, in supporting the use of physical ballots over uh, electronic ballots, because just using the electronic ballot makes, the, it adds a whole lot more steps where the ballot can be intercepted and things can go wrong. Uh, so in general, physical security is almost always preferable to uh, electronic. But that said, actually, there's several states that do allow you to send back your ballot uh, by email. Um, I think about there's 23 states allow uh, military and overseas voters to send their ballots back by email. And uh, quite a few less, but there's still several states like uh, I think Alaska lets you send your your ballot back by email. Um, this is like uh, this is not a particularly secure thing because now you're relying on the the email security and an additional sort of aspect that you could get fished on that we can't confirm physically as much. Uh, so we 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 tend to sort of if at all possible, advocate for uh, not doing that. But unfortunately, the fact of the matter is that we're going you know, more and more online and there are more and more states that are looking towards expanding uh, to online balloting. Okay. Um, Phil also said, I don't know how many adults or how any adult can believe full mail-in voting wouldn't be massively inaccurate. Is the argument that 
the post office is reliable and humans don't cheat when it's easy to do so. And I think he said this is a Scott Adams quote. <laughs> well, I think Scott, well, for one, I think Scott Adams is a little bit of an interested party there. Um, uh, <laughs> but, but uh, outside of that, we can, we can evaluate what he's saying uh, completely independent of that. So the first thing that I hone in on is he is the sort of misconception that we were just touching on that it's easy to to make a fraudulent vote. In fact, we've seen that it's so hard that it that in millions of cases it's uh, uh, kind of surprising if it happens uh, even fifty times, or sorry, in hundreds of millions of cases if it happens fifty times, we tend to be surprised. Um, the other sort of aspect of that is, you know, you know, all of the sort of hoops that you have to go through and proving who you are in order to get your mail-in ballot, that makes it not easy. So the more hoops, the sort of more difficult you make something, the fewer people do it. And in this case, we see so few people are doing it, I think, because it's a very, uh, it's a lot more difficult than just going in person. And even going in person, remember, uh, uh, in-person voter fraud is also vanishingly rare. Um, now to sort of get to, I guess, but so, so say you say that you hear that and you say, oh, well, that's, you're just you know, thinking fancy or whatever. Um, we can actually look at states that have, uh, done all of their, uh, uh, balloting by mail for several. So they haven't done it for like, I think longer than 10 or 12 years in any one case, but, uh, oh, no, 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 no. I think Oregon's actually been doing it since 2000. So this this started, it tended to start on the West Coast. Uh, it started with Oregon and Washington, and then it kind of spread to more and more states. And a lot of states in the sort of like moving from the West Coast to the East Coast, uh, it gets, you know, more and more, and more rare uh, that you have absentee voting and sort of more and more difficult to do absentee voting. But you've got like Oregon and Washington, they've been doing their entire elections by mail for uh, at, at least 10 years in Oregon's case. Um, Utah has been doing almost their entire uh, uh, elections by mail since I think 2016, and they have just moved to all mail elections. Hawaii has done all mail elections since 2019. Um, Colorado has done all mail elections since I believe 2016. In all of these states, there have been studies done to sort of check what was the rate of voter fraud, how many you know fraudulent votes were attempted to have been made, you know what sort of happened when we expanded uh, uh, mail-in balloting like this and really went whole hog on it to just completely everybody in the state gets a mail-in ballot. And they find that uh, voter fraud is very rare. You have more people voting. And it doesn't really seem to change the uh, uh, the outcome of the election because you have sort of equally more people voting for both sides. And this is actually this is actually something that I would like to focus on a little bit because I think a lot of people have this misconception that expanding vote by mail is just something that's ob obviously going to help Democrats. I think that it may help Democrats in some places, uh, but I also sort of question exactly how much it's going to help Democrats. Because of the examples that we have in uh, Western states and Midwestern states, like Montana, Utah, the Dakotas, so the states that I'm listening uh, that I'm listing now, they've had uh, very, very high rates of mail-in voting for a long time. So they sort of followed Oregon and Washington's uh, footsteps uh, 
in making it easier. So they haven't uh, had full expansion of uh, vote by mail, but they have it so that you basically just have to tick a box and then you're going to get all of your uh, ballots by mail. And so they've had very high proportions of their uh, populations voting by mail in these elections. They don't really have any voter fraud either. All this really seems to do is make it easier for people in uh, uh, rural areas of the country to vote. Um, and, uh, or sorry, rural areas of the country and people who can't like go to polls on polling day to vote. Um, you see, you know, again, vanishingly rare amounts of voter fraud, despite this being sort of a, a very commonplace thing in actually the majority of the states. So like, if you look at Texas is a good example, they've been expanding their uh, uh, vote by mail initiatives. And I think in the last election, so not, I don't know for the primaries now, but for like 2018, they had over 50% of uh, the population using uh, uh, early voting or vote by mail. And you have a, a very similar trend for a whole lot of states, and we're not seeing increasing um, voter fraud. If anything, we're seeing decreasing voter fraud, again, because you now have to go through this rigmarole of doing uh, uh, everything sort of by uh, uh, by proxy, which adds you know these more steps, and then we uh, justly require more um, uh, 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 more security uh, to do them because you know it's if if, if that if that makes it more difficult, then you know uh, it it helps increase security. Yeah, actually, there's well, let me pull this comment up because this kind of answers that one just a little bit or pertains to it. Um, let's see. Uh, Melanie said, I think mail-in ballots should be reserved for our military who cannot get to a poll due to deployments. And normally, I, I mean, I, I think in the last 12 years, uh, at least uh, more than 25% of all votes have been mail-in votes. And the... Um, and the reason that we want to use this even more right now is because of the fear with it when it comes to COVID and getting people to gather in large crowds and things like that. So um, we want to kind of think ahead before people have to all stand in line for uh, coronavirus and possibly catch it. Well, um, oh, I'm sorry. I, I forgot the, the, the nice commenter's name. Was it Mary? M Melanie. Oh, Melanie. Okay. I, so I think Melanie will be pleased to hear that there's quite a few states that uh, agree with her more or less, and they make it so that you have to request, like you have to sort of qualify for an excuse in order to, uh, uh, to vote by mail. I don't think this is a really great thing because given that fraud is so low, really all this does is make it easier for people to vote. And if we make it easier for people to vote, then I think we have, uh, you know, sort of more people participating in the electoral process, which I think can only be a good thing. Um, and I'll, I'll get back to the sort of, uh, uh, I think a lot of people have a gut instinct, like, oh, it's going to favor Democrats, obviously, you know, bleeding heart liberal. I'll, I, I'll get back to that. But there's a lot of states that require uh, uh, fairly stringent excuses. Louisiana is a good example of them. So like if you, they only let you request an absentee ballot uh, if you're like in the hospital or something and you have a hospital bill to prove it uh, or something like that. I know it sounds a little bit ridiculous, but it's, that's actually what they require. Or if you're, uh, if you're in jury duty, there's some states that just require, like they just want you to mark that you're in jury duty. Louisiana wants you to provide uh, your jury duty summons 
in order to do that. So actually, there's a lot of states. And uh, the closer you get to the eastern seaboard, the more you tend to have uh, states that require these kind of excuses. They don't make it particularly easy to absentee vote. Um, and there's this there's this sort of dual system. One is for domestic absentee voters. Domestic absentee voters um, have a different system to go through than uh, overseas and militaries voters. So overseas and militaries voters are covered under something called the UO, uh, yeah, yeah, UOCAVA or UOCAVA, uh, which is Uniform Overseas Something Voting Act. Um, basically, it just guarantees them uh, sort of a way to vote. And in every state, they can use this sort of post ballot, postcard balloting uh, system to uh, get their vote in. But they're, And they're subject to sort of different requirements, like a good example for those. I think there's only a couple of states that let you send your ballot in by mail or online um, if you're a domestic voter. If you are a military or overseas voter, 23 states let you send your mail, but your ballot back by email. Um, so the, they do have their own system. They they tend to have a, a sort of more uniform job. It's not always you don't always need to provide the sort of same level of uh, security, but oftentimes that's because you're getting a, an increased sort of level of security from other respects. So one would be being in the military. Another one would be uh, being in uh, uh, like you, cause you have to provide your passport instead of a normal ID and your passport is uh, you know more secure cause it requires more sort of uh, checking steps uh, from the government backend. Okay. Um, let's see. And then everybody real quick. I, I, I see we have a lot of people from a bunch of different states. So y'all tell me what states you're from. You said you're in New York. The guy who we had on last night's from New York. I'm originally from New York as you can see all of my, uh, New York hey. stuff behind me. And then, uh, I, I live in Atlanta now and I know a lot of people in here are normally from Georgia or Atlanta. Um, I see we got somebody from Washington. Jerry Meisner said in Washington state, we have ballots mailed to the address you're registered to vote and you fill out and send it in. Yeah, we talked about this earlier. Yep. He said, this is the standard process, not absentee. You also get a receipt to verify your ballot online. And he, he mentioned this earlier and said that this is different state by state on whether or not you're able to verify whether or not your vote actually went through. So I think everybody here, if you're, considering uh an absentee ballot or, or a mail-in voting you should definitely go and check and see how you're able to verify that your vote actually got counted just a, a quick clarification for the guy from washington there he's absolutely right um washington we often uh, uh we tend to regard as one of the sort of really good model states because they they have a very well-developed voting infrastructure. They have a lot of options for you for how to request your ballot, how to get it. You can get it in person. You can get it. You can ask for it uh, in mail. The sort of the online tracking system and the portal is fairly user-friendly compared to other states. Uh, uh, like the the viewer said, you can track your 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 ballot, which is a very nice thing. Um, and uh, uh, to get into again, sort of you know, to do with uh, USPS, if you're worried about that. You can send your, or you can, I'm pretty sure in Washington you have ballot drop boxes that you can just uh, drop your ballot off in if you don't want to send it via USPS. So again, going into, you know, giving people lots of sort of options for uh, how to vote um, and facilitating that with like a big infrastructure. But that big infrastructure doesn't necessarily mean that it's, you know, more prone to uh, voter fraud or whatever. 
because you know they they still have all the same kind of um, uh, security checks or you know even times like I said like I'm saying uh, more security checks. Uh, yeah, and, and I, I think yeah. Go sorry, ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I, I just wanted to talk about um, really quick, like before I forgot. A lot of people think that uh, expanding vote by mail is going to be some kind of uh, like gimme to Democrats, basically. Or I think that this is at least a fairly common misconception that I've seen in a lot of sort of spaces online. And I think that it might be the case in like maybe Florida, but I, I also I really doubt that because in a lot of states that were, uh, you know, again, on the West Coast, as they've been expanding, this is kind of, you know, as time progresses, more and more of these states are doing more and more uh, vote by mail. Um, we haven't really seen the voter demographics change too much. So like uh, Utah is kind of a good example. Uh, you do have some liberals in Utah. You've got them in like Salt Lake and that kind of stuff uh, in the kind of urban centers. And when they expanded vote by mail, um, more people, more liberals did use the, the, you know, the sort of vote by mail system. But they also saw that more conservatives used the vote by mail system. What they saw were like a lot of sort of uh, older people, demographics that tend to skew more conservative, older people, um, people who live in more rural areas because it had previously been harder for them to, you know, get to the polling place. Uh their numbers increased just as much. So the sort of relative balance didn't change almost at all. Um, and you see the same sort of thing in states like Idaho, Montana, uh, the Dakotas, as they're expanding, sort of making voting easier. A lot of times this makes it easier for, you know, sort of uh, city bound Democrats to vote and they like it a lot, but it's, it also makes, you know, when you make voting easier, it's easier for everybody. So a whole lot of rural voters for whom it was very difficult to vote in the first place, uh, because you know you have to if you want to vote in person, if you live out in uh, you know a, a very rural area, in some cases you have to drive you know miles and miles and miles to get to your nearest polling place. Uh, so having the the option to vote absentee for these people makes it a lot easier to participate in the electoral process, and because of that, you have this kind of like. Uh, uh, this parallel rise in, in voting populations that at least based on like what we've seen from all of the states that have expanded it, it doesn't really seem to change the, the, how things are, are weighted all that much. Um, KOE nation, uh, Phil said, Cody, you just explained how easy it is to get a vote thrown out. A bad actor could easily throw out votes opposed to their chosen candidate. I, I don't think that that's all that different from the way it is now because most people are punching holes in a card and then it's counted later by people uh, in lots of systems. So um, I don't know how different that is in lots of states currently. Yeah, I, I think that this is this would be like a, a problem for sort of any any kind of voting system because because this would be on the end of like the people counting the votes right like if it's if it could because that those are the people who throw out the votes is is uh uh your it'll be like either your local town clerk or like so wherever you live it depends on the state what it's called there will be an infrastructure set up to run elections to sort of manage elections and to process your vote and then run the you know all sort all the sort of checking algorithms you know make sure that your signature matches 
and they have you know they have people trained to look for what signature matches and what things make a signature less easy to or less likely to be a match you know they they like sort of handwriting uh, experts in this um huh. they and then they check it against you know uh, the information that they have in the voter rolls um the the sort of i guess the issue that they would be positing would be uh, like bad actors on that part which that's definitely possible but we also have like a lot of people monitoring and reporting back on that kind of stuff like so it the the whole process is it tends to be very transparent um not always in in the moment because the, a lot of times they're scrambling to to finish ballots but uh a lot of times that's also because what they're doing is they're doing the reporting which makes it harder so like when somebody's in the middle of reporting everything that they're talking about it can be hard or everything that they're doing it can be hard for you to come in and say what did you do here and then because they're you know they're, they're you know neck deep in 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 processing stuff but it makes it so that after the election we can go back and see okay like what exactly happened where exactly who exactly was doing the processing you know that kind of stuff um but so that there's a lot of systems in place to make sure that you know the people who are counting the votes are doing so legitimately although if if you if the point was you know to say we we should increase security like we should make it so that it's more transparent so that we have, you know, sort of a higher level of security. I'm all for that. I think that we should have, you know, like election audits and that kind of stuff. There's a lot of countries that have routine election audits and the U S is uh, kind of an outlier in that we don't do that as much. And that can be something that not only ensures the integrity of the election process, but it makes voters a lot happier too. So like it can assure you that, no, look, here we went through the whole election process. We checked out everything, and everything checks out. It's uh, it's exactly as uh, they say. And you know that can not not that in addition to sort of you know making people happy, it ensures uh, uh, the security of the election process. And then when people are happier, more people go out and vote, which I think is you know something that we we all want, right? Yeah, I uh, and lots of different states have different mechanisms. Some states do online stuff where it travels from one computer to another. Uh, some just have, uh, you know, little uh, punch holes that you put in. Uh, some, I, I believe there's, uh, I forget what state it is, but I believe there's one where you actually still write it on there. Like there's all sorts of different ways to count ballots at currently. Um, I appreciate everybody joining us. We're currently streaming live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch, we got a bunch of people here with us, so I appreciate all of you joining us. Just hit those thumbs up buttons for us real quick. That's help, that helps us with the algorithms and gets us at the top of the pages. Now, before we move on to USPS, is there anything else that you want to add on voter fraud? Uh, just just that it's like it it is exceedingly rare, and that I would uh, I would encourage people to go sort of. Uh, if you don't believe me, check out the sort of uh, uh, the, the the literature. And when I say the literature, I don't mean like um, some guy's blog. What I mean is like uh, uh, somebody put together a paper where they tell you exactly uh, what the data that they looked at was and exactly how they looked at the data, how they got the data, all that kind of stuff. And then they make the data like available to you if you want to double check them. So 
Um, there's one good study from the Brennan Center. Uh, I think they published it in 2017. They found uh, a very, very, very low rate of mail-in voter fraud. Uh, so you know you you can go out, you can check that, make sure that uh, the the numbers that I reported are right, that I'm not sort of misconstruing uh, their findings. Um, but it's it's relatively consistent. So when you go and you look through uh, pretty reliable sources, and again by reliable sources I mean people who are you know really showing their work, um, and and you know putting it in this this rigorous scientific format, and then they're getting their work checked by you know other people in the peer review process. Um, that kind of ensures that uh, uh, you know people can't be uh, you know shady with their numbers or you know shady with their numbers in a way that uh, you know isn't isn't you know basically you you can't be cheating that way. That's it, it keeps you honest. So go check that out and and I, I'd encourage people to to I can give like a couple other sources. There's like check out the North Carolina study on but like if you're googling stuff you can look at like North Carolina voter fraud study. Um you know that that those should be a couple of good resources to get to get anybody who's interested started. Yeah, I've read two or three uh you know studies on this and, and I've skimmed through a bunch more literally trying to find some studies that have you know proof of fraud or or at least raise some you know important questions and there just aren't any like they're all pretty pretty or, dead on that it's not really a problem well i i, I would say so that there there are some studies that investigate sort of election security and mm. uh those tend to find like that they, they, they tend to give critiques of like uh, uh, where the sort of ballot counting process and that kind of stuff is uh, targetable by sort of hackers. And mm -hmm. that's that's like those are the kind of studies that tend to recommend against um, electronic uh, you know, sort of voting machines and that kind of stuff. They recommend uh, uh, physical paper ballots and, and, you know, hand counting and all that kind of stuff. But that's almost a, a sort of different wheelhouse, you know. Yeah, but okay, you know, if so, we are talking election security, that's the kind of election security that there's, uh, you know, people worried about is you know kind of doing it too online and making it available to hacking. Okay, um, so USPS, Trump's making a lot of changes currently, and uh, a lot of people feel as though this is just uh, another way to suppress voters, and uh, especially leading up to an election where a lot of people could possibly be voting through mail-in ballots um people feel like removing lots of mailboxes and uh adding all sorts of restrictions to mailmen uh could actually um make it harder for people to vote and harder for them to count ballots or, or get ballots in and all sorts of things like that so um what has your experience been with this so far what are the changes that are being made let's start with uh, that okay so I, I think that the best way to go over this will be first to sort of talk about uh, the general changes made to the mail and then talk about how it affects uh, uh, vote-by-mail ballots. In the first case, uh, in general, what's happening is the, the postmaster general, so Trump appointed a new, so just to fill everybody in, Trump appointed a new postmaster general. The postmaster general, his uh, his name is Louis DeJoy. He was appointed, I believe, in late June or maybe July. 
And in July, he started rolling out a whole bunch of directives for how to save the money, uh, save money for the post office. If people didn't know, the reason why the post office needs to save money is because they have this insane requirement that they fund their uh, pension 75 years in advance, literally for people who are not even born yet who might work for the USPS. Um, so this requirement puts them sort of constantly uh, uh, in the red. Uh, despite that, they've actually managed to, to, to sort of... Uh, claw their way back, but they, they still do kind of run a constant deficit ever, ever since this. Um, Louis DeJoy now is, he's the postmaster general. He is sort of instituting a new round of measures aimed at cutting, uh, costs for the USPS ostensibly with, you know, saving them money as a goal. I think it's very important to note before we continue further, the Post office doesn't need to save money because it was already a uh, before it had to fund its its pension, uh, you know, way back out into the extreme future. They were they were in the black. They were one of the the most successful uh, sort of U.S. government associated corporations because they're not actually government run. It's I, I think it's it, like they appoint their own own things. I think the only government appointee is the postmaster general. Um. They were in the black, you know, so that they they were quite successful. They they were making money. They were able to stay afloat entirely on uh, their own services, and that ended up sort of uh, uh, stopping, you know, uh, when once they had the the pension requirement. So, without that pension requirement, there's not there's not really an issue of the USPS, you know, staying above board. Or above water, it's uh, it's entirely sort of this this constructed problem. But uh, in order to sort of fix the constructed problem, they're now sort of attempting to cut USPS uh, uh, pay. Essentially, they're trying to stymie overtime pay um, because overtime pay costs them a lot more than normal pay. And one of the directives was. If you are at the end of your shift at the sort of uh, the 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 sorting plant or the, the, I forget what the exact term is for the, like the facility, uh, leave it there to be picked up on the next shift. And, uh, sometimes for people with like out with the trucks, you know, leave the mail there uh, on the route or don't deliver that mail if it's going to take you into overtime. And what that means generally has been a slowdown in all sorts of packages, so not just limited to, um, uh, uh, you know, like ballots or whatever, but we've, we've been seeing people reporting that their, uh, like the rent payment that they're sending in the mail is, is slow to get there. And so they're facing you know, fees because of that, uh, bill payments that require the mail, although a lot of bill payments now are, you know, sort of automatic online package deliveries in a lot of cases, especially, uh, and I, I really have to note this especially for rural areas. So the, the postal service is really, really invaluable for people who live in rural areas uh, because for a whole lot of places, it's actually not profitable for U, uh, UPS and FedEx to deliver their packages there. So if you do contract like uh, UPS or FedEx to say, deliver a package to uh, you know somewhere in the boonies, they, Oftentimes, what they'll do is they'll they'll ship the package 
um, part of the way, and then the last leg of the journey will be carried by uh, USPS. So like these are going to be the people who are hurting more, are the people who depend on these kind of like far-flung routes that are out there. Um, uh, and, and it really is affecting them in you know pretty much all of the mail is taking that much longer because essentially what's happening is uh, an additional day is getting added on at each leg of the journey. So coming out of your house, the letter gets picked up or whatever, or the parcel, and sent to the, the sort of sorting facility. That can take that can then sit there an extra day. Then it gets out of there and it goes to you know some sort of a uh, larger facility or out to you know a plane or like an airport or something like that. It can sit at that larger facility again for an extra day, sometimes two or three. Then so essentially each leg of the journey between you know your house to the sorting facility to the sort of bigger repository to the smaller sorting facility on the other end to the final destination is getting one day added on and for the bigger uh, facilities you can have between one and three days so it's making mail delivery especially like i said to rural areas just take a whole lot longer than it typically does um in addition to other things i think that there was some sort of benefit slash recently that the postal workers union didn't really like um but so the, they're continuing that that's kind of the 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 uh the the in a nutshell version of like how this is most going to affect uh, people. And does this seem to you like it is a sort of voter suppression um, if from Trump or trying to uh, especially suppress minority or democratic votes? Um, I'm not sure exactly how much. So the, the recent efforts, there have been recent efforts in terms of, closing down sort of uh, uh, post office facilities. I'm not certain of how they're being targeted. If though I have heard that they're being targeted at Democrats, I can't confirm that though. If they are, then it would be a pretty blatant thing. But then again, that's not really past the pale for uh, Trump to do. If they're not, what it seems to be is happening is like th there are these kind of facilities all across the country that are being closed down. Um, again, sort of in an effort to save money. I don't know that it's necessarily going to target Democrats, or sorry, actually, I should say that it, it is likely to target Democrats more because they're going to vote by mail more, or more Democrats have reported that they want to vote by absentee uh, uh, ballot because of COVID concerns. Uh, inherently, it's not going to affect uh, uh, Democrats or Republicans more just people who use absentee ballots. If more Democrats use absentee ballots, then yes, it's very much going to affect Democrats disproportionately. And I think that I'm not sure whether or not Trump knows that more Democrats want to use uh, absentee ballot uh, in November, but it, it almost doesn't matter because the effect is going to be the same. It's going to be the sort of disenfranchised disproportionately Democrats if mail-in ballots are having this issue. And the issue would be basically one of deadlines. So every state has a dead. This is, an, this is for example, another reason why mail-in balloting is often harder to sort of cheat because you can't do any sort of last-minute shenanigans. There are very, very strict guidelines on when ballots can uh, uh be returned uh, and be accepted from the mail. 
Um, in a lot of cases, they have to be postmarked before election day. In some states, they can let you postmark it on election day. Um, but in every every case, they have uh, a fairly stringent deadline that they have to receive the ballot by a certain uh, amount of time. And honestly, so what happens is they count the votes that they have uh, first. And as votes sort of roll in, especially if they're coming in um, not after the deadline, but after the election, uh, those votes are, they're going to get added on to sort of uh, the end. A lot of states will count the mail-in votes that they have first, but those are the ones that they received first. Um, and if your vote is getting there five days after the election, well, uh, one, the election may already have been called. It's not always the case because like what we saw with uh, Carolyn Maloney, they just didn't call the election because they had so many votes to get through, which I think is probably the better thing to do and probably something that we should expect uh, in November, that it's not going to be called on election day, that there are going to be so many absentee ballots and the system is going to be so overwhelmed that it's probably going to take uh, maybe even a week or two before we have complete election results. And that's that's I think that's going to be extremely unsatisfying to a lot of people. But I think it's also going to be a reality that we sort of have to deal with. Um, with regards to the the like the deadlines, a lot of states have deadlines that are a lot closer to election day. So they have to receive the ballot by election day. And a lot of times what happens is people don't send the, the mail out until, you know, last minute. Um, people have things to do, and then they only start getting reminders closer and closer to Election Day. And so then what happens is they're sending their mail-in ballot out the day before Election Day, the last day when they're going to accept it even being postmarked. Um, and that ballot is already going to be on sort of shaky legs whether or not it's going to get there in time for them to even accept it or count it uh if it's going to take an additional one day at like one to three days at each of the legs that the ballot is has to make in order to get to uh, uh the counting office that ballot may then be delayed an additional sort of uh week on the on that side and the postal service already says send your ballot in a week before the election in order to help us uh, uh have time to deliver it so what's going to happen if the sort of postal delays remain as they are is anybody who's sending their ballot in like a week before the election that ballot's not going to get there until a week after the election and by that point in most states their ballot won't count anymore um so if there are, you know, disproportionately Democrats that are going to be sending their ballots in this way, if this kind of pushing the uh, uh, making it harder for the the ballot to actually get there, that is definitely going to be like I think that there's a very strong case to make that that's you know, voter suppression. But on the flip side, anybody anybody who's using uh, an absentee ballot is going to be affected by this. So there are a huge amount of Republican voters in the Midwest, in Florida, in Texas, in all of these states who are going to suffer a large amount because of this. Like in states like um, Idaho or Utah, where they have established uh, uh, vote by mail systems, where people are already sending their vote by mail ballots in early, they're not really going to hurt because the system is already there and people already know what's going on. But in 
states where you have a lot of people, they're more likely to use, uh, or a lot of people who are more likely to not be familiar with the system, send their ballots back a little bit later, or who live in very rural areas that are seeing their mail delayed, like sort of even more just because they, they sort of get the brunt of everything because there's so many connections to get to them. Uh, these are the people whose ballots are basically just going to be stuck in this horrible limbo until after the ballots aren't going to be accepted anymore. Um, so for the same reason that I said, I, I was kind of reticent to say that expanding vote by mail is necessarily going to help uh, uh, one political party or the other. Um, of course, unless you know, way disproportionately more Democrats vote by mail. But I think that a lot of people are not are going to want to vote by mail, even a lot of Republicans. It's it's still like even if it's like 80 percent of Democrats, it's still like, you know, 50 or 60 percent of Republicans want to vote by mail. So it, it would disproportionately affect Democrats. But it seems it's like one of these kind of like cutting your nose off despite your face. Yeah, I I, I've talked about this numerous times on this show. I am completely in favor of uh, forced voting uh, like they have in Australia. Like the more people that vote, mm -hmm. the better, I think. And the easier we can make it for people to vote, the better. If that ends up going against what I would vote for as a Republican or as a conservative, I'm more interested in the democratic process being fulfilled in the way that it's designed I, i'm more worried that the that who we choose as citizens in the united states that that's the person who actually gets picked if i want somebody else i'm not going to be interested in uh some sort of fraud or voter suppression to make sure that my person gets picked and so um if we do end up sending ballots out to every American house, like I, I would be hugely in favor of that. And the dog and chicken show guys go check out the dog and chicken show, whatever you get a chance. I'm, I'm on there every once in a while as well. Awesome show. Give them your subscriptions on YouTube and follow them on Facebook. Uh, chicken said, Oh boy. So have we talked about when the ballots will arrive or if they will, do you know if, if, uh, if this has been decided yet? And if not, what's the likelihood? It depends. Okay. So the first thing is, I think it is extremely unlikely that we will see nationwide ballots sent out because it is a thing that each of the States does for themselves. Um, so I think that in some states, we're going to see a push to try to do that, but it's going to take a very different form. So like in Massachusetts and New Hampshire, for example, what they're doing is they're mailing absentee ballot requests to every single voter. So you still need to fill out the request. You still need to send back the request and uh, go through that whole rigmarole if you want to get your absentee ballot in these states. Um, I think... I, I'm pretty sure that the only states that are offering everybody that are going to send everybody a mail-in ballot were the states that were already going to send everybody a mail-in ballot. So states like Hawaii, states like Utah, states like uh, Colorado, uh, Washington, Oregon. Uh, I believe California was on, they were, uh, this year was their, their changing year. Um, to a universal vote by mail system. And I think that they are, I believe they may be speeding up the process. Uh, so they may send a vote by mail ballot to every registered voter. 
Um, but outside of those states, I think it's very unlikely that we're going to see ballots mailed to every single voter. Um, I think what's more likely is that like what's going to happen in some states, probably mostly going to be blue states, if we're being honest. Um, states like uh, New York, like I already said, uh, 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 Massachusetts and Connecticut, they're, they're going to send all of their voters, all the registered voters. So again, if you're not registered, this is not going to apply to you. So you're going to need to register to vote, which everybody fucking registered to vote. <laughs> the deadlines are coming up. There's some states that have a deadline as early as like October 5 to register to vote. So, <clears throat> ah, excuse me. So in those states, like the ones that I talked about, there, there might be some more that are yet to expand, maybe like uh, Maryland, for example, they might expand out. Um, they would just send everybody a request. And if anybody, if you wanted an absentee ballot, then you would have to fill out the request and send it back. And then, uh, and then they would only send the ballots to those people. Um, so I think in general, like, I guess any fears or hopes that everybody is going to get a ballot are a little bit overblown just because of how patchwork the system is and how like that would be a huge, huge undertaking for a lot of states. So like I was saying sort of earlier in the show, New York, specifically in, in my district, we're set up to take like a few hundred absentee ballots in, in, a, in a given election, especially in a primary election where most people aren't going to be voting. Um, and we're now moving, uh, in some cases, we're asking the system to put up with, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of votes. So like th that's going to be the sort of... Uh, uh, biggest issue and i think a lot of the states recognize this they recognize that they're going to have this huge uh, uh issue on their hands with how to process the ballots in a timely manner and so that's going to make them scared to make it i think too too easy to vote in a lot of cases um which is why like uh, uh massachusetts i think could have easily sent out an absentee ballot to every registered voter if they wanted to, they probably would have had the political will to do it, but they also don't have a system which is set up to take every single uh, uh, ballot as an absentee ballot. And uh, so they're, they're, they're just not going to do that. It's, it's only in their interest to, uh, 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 to make it sort of so that they can try to not have that many absentee votes. Just because it, it it takes a lot to to manage that, and states like Utah, Colorado, uh, Washington, Cal California has been building up to this for years. So a lot of a lot of times, the infrastructure that uh, needs to be built up is uh, right now they're having to really just sort of slap uh, slapshod uh, uh, infrastructure together, which is going to mean that votes are going to take longer to be counted. Uh, and I, I just wanted to sort of like. Uh, uh, I know that some people might sort of immediately jump, oh, well, if they're sort of slapping the infrastructure together, is it going to be worse? Um, no, it's just going to take longer because what what they need to do is allocate more people to do the sort of ballot checking processes because no ballot is going to get counted unless it goes through a very rigorous process in the first place. Um, the issue is having enough people to count the ballots, basically. So having enough teams and enough machines to do uh, uh, the ballot counting that's necessary. And in places, they just don't have enough machines. They don't have enough people trained to do. So like I was saying with the, the signature, 
Um, when you go to your uh, like in-person polling place, typically they have like a big book of signatures and stuff and like you're signing your name, or at least that's been the way that I voted in uh, both the states that I voted in. Um, or they'll have like some other sort of like, who are you? And then they'll ask like your, your, where you live or something to just double check or, or they'll only have your name at your specific polling place so that nobody else can go to like another polling place and claim to be you. Um, in the absentee ballot voting, they almost always check the signature on the sort of the, the safety seal against the signature that they have uh, on file. So you're getting that sort of additional layer of scrutiny for uh, people sending absentee ballots. So you, but you need, but the issue is you need to have somebody there who knows how to check the ballots, and knows uh, sort of how to uh, interpret the signatures. So you need to get people trained up for that, and then you need to have the sort of uh, get people trained up for the ancillary roles on a team that's going to be sort of supporting the people doing all of that rigorous checking. Uh, for the ballots. So that's the kind of issue is that states need to scramble to get people to do that. And they're likely just not going to get enough people. So it's going to take a while. Um, but they definitely will uh, uh, go through all of the the, the sort of, I, I call it tedium, but it's very important to ensure election security, uh, all of the security steps and processes, because you need to do that for every single ballot, ballot that's going to be counted. Yeah, there still seems to be a debate in the chat over whether or not uh, Trump is um, suppressing votes by making these cuts to the USPS. But your take on it was pretty much that they're they're just regular budget cuts. Real quick, your your mic is on mute. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. I was I didn't want to cough. Just um, wanted to make sure. Yeah, no. So I think that the goal is since uh, I, I think that the goal is or probably was to hurt Democrats because a lot of sort of Trump's goals have been you know targeted Democrats. And a lot of people know that more Democrats are, want to use vote by mail uh, in this election. But you're just saying that it may not work out the way he wants it to. Yeah, because it's going to disenfranchise a whole lot of rural voters in a whole lot of uh, states that vote red. And that's and even in, you know, sort of swing states, there's, you know, rural voters are the voters who who are going to be more tending towards Trump. And they're also going to be the ones who are going to be more disproportionately impacted by longer wait times for their ballots and stuff. So if they're sending out their ballots thinking that they can just expect the normal one week uh, or even sending their ballot out on the postmark deadline, that this is something that we actually highly recommend against. We want people to send their ballots in as early as possible um, just to sort of, one, make sure that the your ballot gets there in time and two, give the uh, uh, people sort of responsible for receipt of the ballot and uh, uh, sort of caretaking of the ballot for them to have enough time to process it. So th this is, a, again, another sort of uh, layer of security that they go through is they have to check receipt of the ballot. This, so they say, OK, who, whose ballot is this? Is, you know, the, does their signature match? Is their ID? Is everything matching up um, with where they said? Is their address the right address? This kind of stuff um for the ballot so but that again takes time so we want people to send their their ballots out as early as possible um 
So yeah, like I, I, I think that it's it, it. A lot of people will see this as as a partisan move, and I think it may be more likely to hurt Democrats if so many more Democrats use absentee ballots. But it's, I, I think the better take home message is that it's going to hurt everybody, anybody that uses an absentee ballot. So that's that's not the best thing, or at least wants to send their absentee ballot um, back in the mail. Which sort of brings me to uh, our, our recent project. Um, the it has has been, or at least my recent project for a U.S. vote has been finding ways that you can hand deliver your ballot. And we would I recommend this to anybody who's like worried about uh, you know either if you're worried about you know post office fraud or something like that, and you want to ensure that your ballot is is safe and you know you're you can ensure you know walk it every step of the way, or if you you know you you're worried about deadlines or anything like that. Um, in 48 out of uh, 50 states, you can return your ballot to the local election office or a ballot box or something like that. Um, and these are like secure ballot drop boxes, that kind of thing. And that way you don't need to rely on USPS if you don't want to. Um, I can throw up a link for you to like pop in the, the chat if you'd want, if you're interested. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I saw somebody earlier said that this conversation has made them even more lose even more faith in mail-in ballots. Uh, if I were you, I'd be more worried about the electorates not voting for who the popular vote uh, told them to vote for. So <laughs> that's uh, that's a much bigger problem in something that's actually been proven to happen in the last election uh, more yeah. so than uh, voter fraud has. Yeah. No. So I. I mean. I. I guess my take home is that a lot of the stuff that's happening right now is very scary for a lot of good reasons um, and should make you worried about the kind of, I guess, efforts to tamper with the electoral system. But I don't think that they should fundamentally shake your faith in the processes that we have set up for uh, vote by mail ballots. Oh, so uh, quick clarification. I should have made this clarification an hour and a half ago. <laughs> vote by mail and absentee voting are the same thing. By uh, uh, most research organizations, they're used interchangeably in every single state. Um, they basically just pick one name and they go by it, but it describes the exact same thing. Um, so... <laughs> I, I, I wish I had said that earlier, but um, I, I think everybody recognizes that. Okay. I, I, I've actually seen it's unfortunate, but I've seen some misinformation where people are saying, oh, you know, absentee balloting, that's OK. But vote by mail, that's that's you know rife with fraud. Well, no, no they're, it's they're the same thing. It's the same thing. Um, but I think that the systems that we have set up for ensuring the security and integrity of vote by mail ballots are really very, very, very robust. Um, I think that it's that your, your, your faith shouldn't really be like, if your faith is shaken, it should be in that like sort of electoral norms are being broken and that it's becoming sort of uh, okay to want to tamper with like how many people can vote. That I think is something that we should be very, very scared of. Um, 
I don't think that we should be that scared of like the the integrity of our our vote by mail system in terms of like the counting of the votes or the the sort of process by which you have to request a ballot and send a ballot back. That stuff is really really secure and actually it's so secure that it's going to slow down the election results by like I said I I'm guessing as much as a week or two. But I I think that that kind of security is good and uh, with you know, sort of the adequate infrastructure, which we've seen is very easy to do and actually is cheaper to do than traditional voting. Um, you can have very, very successful uh, uh, vote by mail states. So you have like, uh, you know, like I said, Oregon, Washington, uh, Hawaii is doing this now. Colorado has been doing this for a while. Like in Arizona, I think over 70% of people are voting by mail. Utah is doing this now. Um, Alaska is moving towards this kind of a system, I believe. Uh, they're they're almost all the way there. You can just request an absentee ballot, and they send it to you. Um, so, like, we have very good systems set up where we have this uh, this this stuff, and it runs and it works really great. It actually works in most cases better than uh, normal elections because you can just count all the ballots that you have immediately starting on election day. You know. Uh, you you have the polls closed, and then you have this stack of ballots waiting, ready to be uh, uh, counted. Um, and it, it's very nice. It allows you to release, you know, sort of early results. It allows all this kind of stuff that I think is um, quite good. What we should be worried about is, I guess, just overloading the system. So send your ballot in early, and making sure that the mail works, because it's it's more it's important for more than just ballots, you know. Like, well, like I was talking about earlier, there's reports of people who live in, uh, like I have a friend who lives in rural uh, Indiana on a farm, and his his mail has been delayed by like seven days both ways. It's it's a little bit ridiculous. You know, he's, he's having to wait an additional two weeks for packages, that, which is, you know, that that's not fair just because he lives uh, on a farm in Indiana. Come on. Yeah. Um, well, I, that's about all I got. Um, if there's anything else you want to go over before we jump off. Uh, I guess it's just, I, I'd like to sort of reinforce the point that a lot of the, the issues with the, the post service, like one, I, I totally get, it. it's not like a super glamorous thing. Nobody like, like the mail is not some hot, sexy topic, <laughs> but, uh, it's, it's super important. And it's like I said, especially super important for, uh, uh, rural Americans and Americans that, you know, can't go to the polls on election day. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're as, as an organization, us vote is very much in favor of, uh, uh you know, we support the post office and you know, me personally as well. It's the same thing. I, I very much support uh, the post office. So I, I think that it we shouldn't regard mail-in voting as uh, altogether too, too partisan an issue because it doesn't seem to help uh, you know, Democrats or Republicans more. It seems to just allow more people to vote. And, you know, it's not a particularly fraudulent system. And it's a cheaper system. I mean, the, the, like the, the sort of reasons to support it, I think, go go on and on. And the only reason that we really are even having to talk about this being so much of an issue right now is, one, because of uh, COVID sort of exacerbating people wanting to use the system and so overflowing it. And two, uh, the post office sort of breaking down because of uh, uh, an, I would say, unreasonable pension requirement. 
um, that we could lift tomorrow and have the post office be back in the black and profitable and, you know, sort of all those good things that we want from uh, any sort of government corporation, I think. So I think that's a, a probably a good note okay. to end on. Cool. I appreciate everybody joining us tonight and uh, everybody being active in the comments. Sorry, Project Sadface. I didn't pull up enough of your comments or, or maybe any of your comments this time. Um, everybody, just so you know, we are streaming live on Twitch now. This is only our second show on Twitch. Uh, uh, and the latency is a little bit lower on Twitch. So you actually get to see the show a little bit quicker and get to comment quicker on there as well. So you can go to twitch.tv slash tomfooleryPC to watch us on Twitch now. And the uh, we, we don't have a whole lot of followers over there as of right now. So um, you guys can go check it out and make sure you follow us on there. But... Um, Marvis, I, I appreciate you joining us. This was an awesome show. Uh, make sure you hang out afterwards. I wanted to ask you something, but uh, yeah, absolutely. It's 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 a pleasure being here. Thank you for letting me talk about my work ad nauseum. I know it's not it's not always the most interesting topic, but it's uh, uh, I think it's it's important, and uh, I'm glad to get the the sort of I guess the word out there that you don't necessarily need to rely on USPS. You can deliver your ballot by hand if you want to to sort of you know ensure the uh, integrity of the process more so if that's something that you know you, you care about or you're worried about postal delays. You know, you want to shout out your podcasts one more time before we jump off. Yeah, sure. You can find us at uh, pragmaticprogressiveshow.com where we have sort of a list of all our, our, our social media. You can follow us at uh, Twitter at Progress for Me and You. Um, you can find us on Stitcher and YouTube. And uh, thanks, for, thanks for having me. Yeah. All right, everybody. Uh, this was episode 20 on the Tom Fury podcast. And uh, make sure you guys go check out the podcast and all the other episodes on all podcast platforms uh, we appreciate you guys joining us and we'll see you guys next time for streaming saturdays coming up again this saturday see you thank you for listening to the tom foolery podcast streaming live on facebook youtube and twitch if you'd like to hear more from the tom foolery podcast you can go to tomfoolerypc.com you can follow us on Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. And we also have a streaming show every Saturday night at 8.30 called Streaming Saturdays, where a bunch of different people with different viewpoints go over current events and philosophy. We'll see you there. Later, fools.